Welcome home. You're listening to the Life Center Rainier Weekend Message. video yeah and uh, I'm so excited to be here if you're new my name's Jesse and uh, we just love being a part of this incredible community of believers called Life Center Rainier you know we're one church in multiple locations multiple languages you stick around long enough at two o'clock we're gonna have our Spanish service and we'll all kind of be living la vida loca so let's uh, upside inside out but uh, how many of you are encouraged yeah that's funny later but how many of you encouraged last week? Pastor John shared an incredible message. Can we give it up? Thank Jesus for the gift. Thanks, man. And uh, I'm so excited to come and share today. We're in week three of Rhythms, Rhythms. And so this collection of conversations, this series, we're talking about different rhythms, rest and work. And, and let me just say it like this again, and forgive me for being redundant, maybe for some of us this is new, but rest is not the antithesis of work and work is not the antithesis of rest. They are congruent, collaborative. The way that God's designed us, created us, these two are essential elements of what it means to abide in Jesus. He created us in rest for good work. And so the way that he did it, he, he created a pattern, a rhythm, if you will. He spoke and it was. He spoke and it was. And six times he did this and he got to mankind. He says, let us create man in our like image. And so we're image bearers of God. And so if God has a rhythm in which he's created us, he wants us to emulate the rhythms of grace. There's a verse in Matthew chapter 11. We love this verse. It's kind of the crux of the, the collection of conversations, but it talks about Jesus uh, helping us learn the unforced rhythms of grace because this world will produce rhythms, right? We talked about that in the first week. There, there's worldly rhythms that produce in us fear, shame, blame, anger, depression, spiritual elements of these associated ramifications of what this world will produce. But in Jesus, he also has things that he'll produce in our lives. Peace and patience, goodness, gentleness. You know, all the, the fruit of our life is in understanding who's leading our lives. And so in Jesus, we get to choose different. And, and I don't think it's a sign of health that we would be well-adjusted to the rhythms of a sick society, that should weigh a little bit. And I just think it's easy for us to get caught up in what this world would have us running rampant constantly. My Bible is really clear in Psalm 46.10. It says, be still and know that I'm God. Exodus 14.14 14 says, the Lord thy God will fight for you. You need only to be still. But yet we get so engrossed in this life that we think we know better than God in his word. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. That's why I'm laughing, because it's real. And, and, and some of us are so exhausted, we, we, we won't even acknowledge it. My kids, we love to like watch different movies. I don't pay to go to movies anymore because I'm basically paying $12 to go take a nap. If I have to sit anywhere and be quiet in the darkness, I'm like, out. <laughs> My wife's like, yeah, we paid money for this. I was like, well, let's kiss. <laughs> and all the husband said. <laughs> and 
My kids will say, can we just stay up a little bit longer? I just, they start asking for different things. Can I just get a snack? Can I just hang out? We, would, we just want to watch one more episode of, you know, whatever. And, and it'll be late. And a couple times I'm like, okay. And then we'll put on the show. And two minutes later, they're like asleep. Like we push ourselves to exhaustion to the point that it, it takes us to this place where we go, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted. I can't even function. Like some of you today, to the core of you, how many of you would say that you, you, are, you are exhausted? Yeah, honest. And see, most of you are so exhausted you couldn't even raise your hands. <laughs> and those of you that could, you're, you're not exhausted enough. You've got enough energy. But what this world requires is a different rhythm, but what we know to be true is that we want to be found in Jesus producing the elements that would omit the fragrance of Jesus. And as the old-time preacher would say, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And there is an adversary. There is an opposition. There is a thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy, as John 10.10 says. But Jesus says he came to give life and life more abundantly. And so the abundant life, the Zoe life, is found only connected and congruent in the promises of God and the rhythms of grace. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a lion, roaring, looking for someone to devour. And he does this in a subtle, seductive way. Because here's the difference between finding ourselves falling in sin and being sucked into the seduction of the schemes of the enemy. Is that when we're on a journey with Jesus and we trip, stub our toe, bump our head, make a bad decision, find ourselves in a bad situation, doing something bad and we're producing something of sin in our life. Jesus comes in, picks us up, dusts us off and says, come on, let's keep going. But seduction gets us off the road of the journey with Jesus and sucks us in to a lane of life that we were never meant to live in and leads us to a path that will never produce righteousness. You know the Bible, it talks about this. It talks about the full armor of God. Maybe some of you have heard of this. Maybe it's new to others. But it talks about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the Shoes of the gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit. But then it says, take up the shield of faith. Why does it say that? It says to fight off the fiery arrows of the adversary. Did you know that fiery arrows were never meant for pinpoint accuracy? They were always meant for proximity to hit, start a fire, and to scatter to bring distraction. You know the greatest distraction the devil does in this life is he makes us busy. And we never take the time to pause and truly rest and say, you're God and I'm not and I need you. We get sucked into these rhythms of this world that will constantly call us to produce things that we don't want to produce in our life and I don't think it is a sign of health when we associate ourselves with the succincting cyclical cycle of a sick society. And it happens. It's the natural reality of these fallen vessels, these earth suits. This is not our eternal destination. Heaven is our home. But there are these times where we are 
called to be of the glory of God, used by his grace. And we say, I gave my life to Jesus to be used by Jesus. And he didn't save you to use you. He saved you to make you useful. And when we find ourselves saying, use me, God, and then we go, oh, I feel used. And then we hear somebody else saying, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get, get up in there. I'm just going to sit back. But now the bait of the devil is now taking us, whether you're burnt out or you fade out. Either way, you're out and you're not in. And this is how the devil gets us caught up in that dance. Remember Gloria, Ste Gloria Stefan, the prophetess? The rhythm is going to get you. Come on, baby, shake your body and do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Come on, that's been owning some of us for a couple weeks, right? Dang it. She was right. And that's what the rhythms of this world, it, it'll entice us, it seduce us to take us off the clear path of the course. But I just think some of us are just hoping to get knocked down. Now we'll finally come to the place where we're going, at least I can sit here for a second and catch my breath. That's what we're dealing with in this world. I have a couple scriptures I want to share with us this morning. The first one will be in Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to read this to us, and then I want to give some associated thoughts. Hebrews chapter 4. And I just, I just believe as we exhaust this portion of scripture, we're going to understand why it's so essential that we take time to rest. The title of my message today, if you're taking notes, is Time to Rest. Time to Rest. Let's go now to Hebrews chapter four. We'll start in verse six. It says this. So God rested, so God's rest, forgive me, so God's rest is there for people to enter. Somebody say enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So now we see that there is a rest that God has given us to enter and that people previous to us were disobedient. Did you know when, when, when the Europeans came to uh, the, the land now known as America, the Puritans came to establish a society, it was supposed to be a Sabbath society. They were fleeing the rigors and the rote routine of all that weighed on people. And they came here to a new land to establish a Sabbath society. And when people didn't want to conform to the constructive parameters which were in place there at that time, they went to the Wild West and if they didn't want to conform to the minimal, strong, suggestive parameters, people went to the north. So we are the most rebellious people on the planet, just so you know, at least in America. And he says, so God, so God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed because they disobeyed God. You're not the first one to be disobedient in this rhythm. Verse 9, so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. Oh, forgive me, I'm, I jumped. Verse 7, did I jump too fast? It's okay, it's the remix. Eric, get my mixtape, yo. Verse 7, so God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. Do you know why today is the gift? Because it's the present. 
This is the gift that God has given us today. It goes on, it says, God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. This is the author of Hebrews quoting Psalm 95. He's saying there is another rest that we can enter in. If you faltered and you failed and you have not allowed God by his grace to give you the goodness of learning the right rhythm of what this life should look like in rest, you get a second chance. More than that, we don't serve a God of second chances. We serve the God of new beginnings. Because if you only have two chances, you already are coming in this thing going, man, I hope I don't mess this up. Did you know in his grace, you can't go so far where you can fail outside of the love and grace and forgiveness of the glory of God? You can't. Good luck. One theologian calls him the hound of heaven. He's going to hunt you down. He's going to find you. So you can run and tell that, homeboy. Sorry. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, verse 8. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest. Somebody say special rest. Still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. Will you say that out loud with me? Let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail. This is, this is the reality of which this world was created. God spoke and it was. He created a rhythm. There's a pattern in which he called us. And he spoke and he created us. And on the sixth day, he says, I got to get down and get my hands dirty in this one. I've got to connect. I want to create mankind in my like image. So I'm going to get my hands on it and I'm going to breathe the breath of life. In, 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 in Hebrew, breath and soul are synonymous. This is God's infilling of the reason in which we live. We have the borrowed breath of God. Amen? And so as he's created us in this rhythm, he created us on the sixth day. And on the seventh day, it said God rested. Did you know God didn't rest because he was tired? He rested because he was finished. And so when he created mankind, he says he created man, Adam, and he says, it is good. And then he created woman. He took a rib from man and he created whoa, man. Because all the husbands, when we see our wives, we're like, whoa, man. Hey, boo, boo. <laughs> How you do do? <laughs> Wait a minute. Ooh. <laughs> and he created woman because he, he says it's not good for man to be alone. And he knew distinctly that he was going to create us in community because we are so much better together. And he knew providentially he created it in a pattern, in a rhythm to place us in pleasure. And he wanted each of us to know that our first day of existence was that of rest that you don't have to work for, earn, deserve. Do you know what my three children, nine, seven, and five, nine months in the womb, which womb? Any womb you like, whatever. 10 months, actually, if you do the math right, huh? Come on. And you know what my kids have never done? They have never worked a day in their life. <laughs> like darn child labor laws won't let me <laughs> kind of institute, but, but you know what they've never lacked? My love, my wife's love, our generosity, our goodness, everything I have, they have full access to, and they didn't earn it, 
They haven't done anything in association. Their days, isn't this distinct how God has designed his people to have the days of learning what it means to say, you do not have to produce one iota in this life for my love and my goodness. You are my son, you are my daughter, and come into your father's inheritance. All that I have is all here for you. But we achieve, we earn, we diligently aspire. And guys, God's creation is congruent to the cross. When he says it was good in the work that he did. How many of you have ever done a job and you go, ah, that wasn't that good a job. And you went home and you just couldn't really rest because you know you didn't do your best. But God says it's not just good, it's very good in the creation. And then you go to the cross and Jesus on the cross, he says, it is finished. And so it's good and it's finished. And we can't rest in our souls. We can't have what one friend says, a seat on the inside until we know the job is done very well and it is finished. So friends, to let me help you today. Get this world off of your shoulders. Stop letting it suppress you, push you down. Quit letting it continue to produce enough the patterns of what this world would take us and exhaust us. You are a child of God. You are free, and the Bible says, he who is free is free indeed. Not in doing. He calls us living beings, not living doings. And his creation is so consistent in the call to continue to lead us forward. You know, some of us um, are statisticians, so let me just give you a few stats, okay? 47% of people are sleep deprived, and the summertime is the worst, especially in the Northwest. Why? The sun comes out early, it goes down late, and we go, we only get a month and a half of this. And you invite your family from other states and they come here and visit and then move here and mess up our traffic. Stop it. We got to take full advantage. We got to get enough vitamin D in these 40 days in the wilderness. It says 47% of people are sleep deprived. 47, 46% of people, because of lack of rest, are irritable. 45% are fatigued. It says 40% lack motivation. And 45% of kids and youth have a hard time sleeping because of an unrestfulness. It's not like we can't just go to bed. There's no amount of sleep that you can get that can be rest, bring rest for your soul. When we're not created to just sleep, the Bible talks about that. A little sleep here, a little slumber there. That doesn't produce in us what God's called us to be. He didn't call us and create us to be th disposable batteries. He's made us rechargeable ones. But how many of you hate rechargeable batteries? Because you're like, where's the charger? Where's the, I'm throwing these away. <laughs> My wife's like, you wouldn't do that if you know how much they cost. And I'm digging through the garbage. Where is it? That thing was $8 for one double A. 
So we're, we're called to connect. We're called to live, abide, and, and be in Jesus. But constantly we find ourselves in the rhythm of this world that takes us outside and seduces us into a different place. And that's what this world will produce. In different seasons and different times in American history, we, we see different things producing because of the rhythm. You know, this world at one time with the invention of uh, the automobile, um, teen pregnancy went through the roof. Isn't this interesting? Uh, so previous to that, uh, you know, Joe needed to go over to Jane's house and say, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, can I hang out with Jane? And they're like, yeah, go on the front porch. I'll be right here cleaning my gun. I'm going to get a machete myself. Seems like young men aren't afraid to get shot at these days, but everybody's been cut before. And then the invention of the car, Joe goes, honk, honk, hey, Jane, hop on in. Let's go pray. <laughs> Joe, <laughs> I'm going to take you out. Not to dinner. <laughs> but the rhythm of this world will produce different things in different times and different eras of our age. We had different forced Elements that would make us slow down. Some of you might not be old enough, but there might be a few in the crowd where there was a day when um, our country enforced a legislation called blue laws. Have you heard of this? Blue laws were uh, back in the day when it was actually a law that things would shut down on Sundays. I went to Birmingham, Alabama a couple months ago with a friend. We landed there on a Sunday. We went to our hotel and we were talking to the concierge. Hey, where should we go to eat? She goes, oh, tomorrow you should go here or there or there. And we're like, uh, no, 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 today. Uh, she goes, oh, honey, it's Sunday. I go, what? She goes, everything's closed. I go, what kind of godforsaken town? <laughs> Forced drivers, blue laws, the days when you would go home and you would rest, you would eat good food and your parents would always take a nap. Like, why do you got to lock the door to take a nap? It was the baby boomer days. Giddy up. <laughs> but people were forced to pause, whether they were just bored or Whatever we endured, and it did our souls good. There were even different wars in our world. The Vietnam War was one war where people would come home. They would be in battle one day, and three days later, flown home and back in their home, holding their newborn and expected to function at a normal level. But in this day, in those times, drug abuse, spousal abuse, terrible PTSD, these were at the highest peak of their time. But same types of doings came previous where the World War II, people fought and endured difficulty and it was a different day and our country was celebrating the victory and they had a warm welcome. And there wasn't big difference in the things that they had to do at war unless you've ever been to war, we don't know what that all entails and bless those that have. But there was a little bit difference because those that fought in Vietnam had a quick turnaround and were able to be expedited to be flown home. But the people that served in the 
World War II had to take a boat, and it took about two-plus months. And they had to sit there and be still and process and grieve and share their story and just slow down. And isn't that interesting how this world continues to escalate and elevate and require such busyness? It used to be we would go to work, but now we've got work right in our pocket. It used to be that we would have to go to get away, but now we can engage with another world right at our fingertips. And I don't think it's a sign of health that we would find ourselves sucked in and seduced through this sickness. How many of you have an iPhone? Come on. All the Android people, we're going to pray for you later, okay? <laughs> but there's a button right there on your phone that my wife burdens me to press. And as soon as I turn it back on, you know what pops up? A little apple with the bite out of it. You know how this whole world and that rhythm produced was the problem in the garden when we got seduced I don't want to make any Android users. <laughs> I'm just saying. And so when we fail to remember why this is such a primary focal point for our God, we've got to engage in a different way. We've got to learn to allow him to lead us into the unforced rhythms of grace. Amen? You know, the Bible says, and I'm going to jump over to Exodus chapter 20. And I'm going to share the um, 10 suggestions, forgive me, commandments. And let me just break these down really quick, okay? Here's the top 10, right? This is what God says. There should be no other gods before him. No idols. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Number four, we'll come right back to you. Five, honor your father and mother. Six, do not murder. Did you, anybody see like, don't honor your father and mother and don't murder or right next to each other? Anyways, okay. Seven is adultery. It's kind of a big one. Uh, eight, don't steal. Nine, don't give false testimony. And 10, we shall not covet. And there's minimal words when sharing most of these top 10. It says, you shall not, you shall not. But when you get to number four of the top 10, number four, it uses the most words and it starts out with one word that none of them else starts out with. Bring it up on the screen if you would. Exodus chapter 20, verse eight, it says, remember. Why? Because we are so prone to forget. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor animals, nor any foreign re residing, foreigner residing in your towns. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Holy, holy means set apart. When do you and I set apart time 
to revere our holy God and remember this is an ultimate essential element of what it means to walk with him and work with him and watch how he leads our life in this unforced rhythm of grace. It's so essential. Well, I don't live under the law. That's an old covenant. Uh, I'm under the blood of Jesus. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Me and you both. And this is what I know is that as Mark chapter two, verse 27 says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So it's, it's not about religion. It's ultimately about allowing God to lead our life. And, and, and though we're not under that old covenant command, like which of these other nine are you willing to break and say it's okay to be in the grace of God? You know, think about it like this. Moses was the man that went up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. And he left a, his people group there that he's been shepherding and leading. And I just think this was a lose-lose scenario for Moses. Let me be descriptive a little bit as a pastor, okay? As a pastor, uh, I, I would lead these people and I'd find myself going to this place to get with God, to hear the word of the Lord, to bring it to the people. And if I go up there, hear from God and come back, and they're still obeying God, I'm unnecessary, But if I go up there and I come back down and they're not obeying God, then I'm inadequate as a leader. And how many of you have ever found yourself in in your work going, oh, could I be inadequate or unnecessary? I better work harder, do more, figure out my spot, make sure people know I'm worth my weight. Come on. We get sucked into that seduction, don't we? You're like, think about it like this. Of all the Ten Commandments, right? If I break nine of these, eight, I'd I'd lose my job. But if I broke the fourth, I'd for sure get a raise. We have no context in the rhythms of this world, in the church. How many of us are willing to say, God, you can do more with six days than I can with seven? How many of us are willing to say, God, You can do more in my life with 90% than 100. Come on, we want control. But we need to stop and pause and literally just say, God, I need you. And I'm not up here today because I'm an expert. You can talk to my wife. I was sharing some of my thoughts about the message. She goes, okay, just so you know. Someone talks to me, just so you know. I was like, Don't come to church. Just don't come to church this week. (laughs) I got two quick points I want to share with us. Write this down. Number one, if you would. Rest has been given as a gift and not a curse. It's a gift. We have to remember that this is a gift. Because what you honor, you can access. And we can't honor God in the gift of his grace and receive salvation without acceptance, and we can't receive the reward of knowing this God that takes the weight of this world off of us if we don't honor what has been established by God and rest. Uh, a couple messages in my, in my uh, time that I've spoken that people have had the most 
uh, difficulty with. First one was uh, talking about hearing from God yourself. Got a lot of people upset me. They're like, that's why we come listen to you. I was like, well, that's a problem. Because the Bible says the sheep will know the shepherd's voice. And I'm not the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. Second one is rest. The people that get upset with me the most, entrepreneurs and business owners and moms. There was a lineup. They were ready to jump me with their, their baby in one arm and seven kids on the other hip. What do you know? You don't talk about rest? Are you tired? Are you hungry? Hangry? Combination. It's real, right? I love when young people tell me how busy they are, how tired they are. How many of you, you meet someone, you say, how are you? And they say, busy? Oh, I'm so busy. And we wear it like a badge of honor. So busy. Or if you meet them for the first time, like, hey, I'm Jesse. What's your name? Steve. Steve, what do you, what do you do? Everything is associated. Isn't this funny? But we got to revere and remember God gave us this gift. He didn't make the Sabbath for people. This is the gift. It's not something for us to worry about and look at as a curse that constantly overcorrects us and makes us feel terrible. No, let conviction come in, friends. But let's not forget it's a gift, not a curse. Second, second point is this. It's going to come up. Ready? And the gift of rest gives life and doesn't take it. It gives life. It doesn't take it. We think, I don't have time to give to just take a rest. Any, any parents go on vacation with kids and you think to yourself, man, that was life-giving. Like, we're in, we're, we're, we'll do vacations, and it's about making memories more than it is about getting rest. Like, we recreate to recreate, but we constantly find ourselves still terribly depleted because it doesn't produce what it's supposed to produce in our lives because we find ourselves stuck in this cycle. The Sabbath all of a sudden becomes something that we serve, and it doesn't serve us. Uh, yesterday, I was cutting my boy's hair um, I'm actually, uh, you know, hashtag free 99, barber on, on cheap. Um, yeah, I hooked, hooked it up, man. Check them out. And um, we, I'll give them a little video game to play while I'm cutting their hair so they will stay put. And, and, and all of a sudden, like, their head is down. And I'm like, hey, bud, I need you to lift your head a little. Ugh! And all of a sudden, I'm, like, breaking my back trying to, like, be a contortionist and figure out how to like cut their hair while they play their game like it wasn't about the game it was about a haircut right and we start serving the thing instead of letting the thing serve us and we forget that this is a gift and it doesn't take life it gives life but yet when we don't make room for it we can't receive this gift and we get so caught up don't we it's just, it's the nature of how this rhythm works. And I just don't want to find myself sucked in to this cyclical cycle. Second Thessalonians 3.11 through 12 says, We hear that some, am some among you are idle and disruptive. They're not busy. They're busy bodies. 
Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and to earn the food they eat. Like if we don't rest, we don't eat. If we don't work, we don't understand the holistic gospel of grace that God made us on purpose for a purpose. And he planted us in a place called Eden. Some people think this means paradise. It doesn't. It means pleasure. And he put us in a place of rest. And before he ever called us to work, he says, you have a reward. We don't work for a reward. We work from a reward. Right? And the gospel narrative is congruent through this whole thing. Because religion says, I do, therefore I'm accepted. But in God's grace, I am accepted, therefore I obey. And he is good and glorious, and he knows this is what needs to be instilled in my life. Come on, it's quiet, but let me believe it's because the Holy Spirit is working. And it was good for the goose before it was good for the gander. And friends, I'm not talking from a place of expertise. I'm talking from a place of need, just like you and I. And if you see things in me, come up, talk to me, inquire. And if you're that person just thought, oh yeah, yep, I'm gonna say something. That's not your job anymore. Grace, forgiveness, goodness, this rhythm. Oh man, how good is our God. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do the unforced rhythms of grace. Amen? Amen? I'm going to invite you to bow your heads. Close your eyes.